Hey, listeners, if you are thinking about divorce and concerned about your children, please go to my online parenting plan course. It will help you plan how you're going to parent through divorce and beyond. And I promise you, it will keep conflicts from erupting in the future while keeping you centered on your children. Check it out at lisakoski.com. Welcome to Doing Divorce Different. Join family law attorney turned mediator, Lisa Kosky, for candid conversations on how to alleviate the fear of divorce and how to heal through empowerment. Now your host, Lisa Kosky. Welcome listeners. I'm very excited today to have Dan Simon join me. Dan is kind of, he's kind of the guru of mediation in Minnesota. Dan, I kind of heard about you years ago. You are the mediation trainer that people talk about. They love your style. I have never taken a course from Dan. So I'm excited for today because I'm going to be taking notes. And I know I always become a better mediator, you know, when I, when I talk to people like you. And I think for my listeners, mediation skills help me in my everyday life. So the information that you're going to share is just going to help people in general. And I think it's also going to help them have a better understanding of what to look for when they're looking for a mediator. I love so, And Dan, you've written, you know, you're writing a book, you're teaching courses, you've got all kinds of things going on, but can you kind of tell my listeners your little story about sure. how you became a mediator? And I think you've been doing it for quite a while. Sure. Happy to. Yeah. Since 1998. Um, it's a long time. Full time. Yeah. Well, thanks for saying those nice things about me. And thanks for saying that, that people say nice things about me. That's, I, I know that, that probably there are some who don't. I'm afraid some of our friends, the divorce lawyers, God bless them. I, I've said some things that have been kind of critical of, of how they tend to approach things. And perhaps they've felt misunderstood by some of the things I've said. So nice to hear that some people still have a nice. <laughs> but yeah, so I became a mediator because. I was a kid when I was a lawyer already. You know, I went to college and law school and I really hadn't figured out what I wanted to do at that point. I was 24, I was a lawyer. And honestly, I became so depressed my third year of law school that I started seeing a therapist. And by the time I was out of law school and had worked in law jobs for a few years, I, I liked what the therapists did so much that I decided I wanted to become one of them. And so I went back to school to work on a master's in counseling psychology. And that's when somebody suggested that I look into mediation. And by the time I finished the master's in counseling, I decided to, to become a mediator full-time. Part of what inspired me to, to do that was that I became very intrigued by and kind of sold by the so-called transformative approach to mediation. And that's what really got me clear that there is a process that I can help people with. It's very different from the legal process and even different from a lot of how mediation is done as well. And so that was 1998 when I decided, finished that degree in counseling and opened my practice. You know what? I didn't know that about you. And I love that journey. And it's so interesting to me because back when I was in law school, I too was so drawn to mediation. It, has, it is just part of who I am. It is the person that I am. 
but I took the route of I did practice law mm-hmm. for, you know, several, several years and it still stayed in the back of my mind. Yeah. And people would say, oh, you can't do that. You can't just do that. And finally, I think it was about 2017, I went, well, I don't even care. I, this is all I wanted to. And it has been nothing but blessings, you nice. know, moving forward. So I, I get that. that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and actually I did practice law for a few years in there, but there was a little lag time before I went back to school and I did business litigation where I got to experience some of the more traditional approaches to mediation as a, as a lawyer. And yeah. so that was very interesting. Those processes which I learned there is what mediation is, is all about. It's, you know, in those situations, the people don't talk directly to each other and the mediator goes back and forth and tries to basically scare people into compromising and it's very unpleasant. And so when I learned that there's a whole different way to look at what mediation is, that's, that's really when I realized, okay, there's, there's room out there to do this better. Right. And it, and it does seem like there are different styles. And even though I haven't been taught by you yet, and I'm going to read your book, I think that I tend to work more like you. And I think it's sometimes uncomfortable when I'm working with attorneys because I say, I don't know what your experience is with mediators, but I talk to the clients and I don't separate out if you want to talk to each of them individually. But I normally stick to, I don't want them to be wondering what the other person is telling me. I just, it it just works so well when you can talk to everyone at the same time. And it's amazing the agreements that, that you can make. It's really a weird tradition that makes lawyers, especially in other sorts of litigation, believe that it's somehow constructive and healthy to keep people separate and to not let them talk to each other. It's, It's really just a weird fluke of, of the legalistic system. Anybody who's studied communication or, or you know, psychology or human relationships of any kind gets it that, no, if we want to get to a better place, that's going to involve talking to each other. Yeah. Amen. And I love those attorneys who have kind of accepted that and seen it work and they come back. But a lot of my clients are the couples coming into me. I do do a lot of divorce mediation. I know you do just lots of general mediations. Um, Yeah. And so the couples come to me a lot of times not represented by attorneys. And then I might send them out to get a little bit of advice because I can't do that. Right. Um, But I kind of, you know, help them through the divorce process. So I know, Dan, this is going to help me too. If you can talk a little bit about transformative mediation and how that style is different, I think I have an idea. And I think I know that it has been, it's a little hard for me because I want to fix everything for everyone. So why don't you explain what that is a little bit? Yeah, thanks. Sure. Well, you nailed it. The hard part is letting go for the mediator, letting go of the belief that I really ever know anything about what people should do. And so that raises the question, okay, what are you contributing mediator? If it's not some sort of guidance or some sort of information. And that's actually what led to my co-author and I articulating the title of our book. It's, it's called Self-Determination in, Me- in Mediation, The Art and Science of Mirrors and Lights. Because mirrors and lights, we decided, are a good metaphor for what we provide in the conversation. You know, the idea is people are in conflict, and so it's murky and confusing, and, you know, they're having trouble hearing each other, and they're having trouble hearing themselves even. 
So if we can just shine some light on the conversation and, and hold up some mirrors to people so they can just kind of look at themselves and get clear about where they're at and what they want, people are just able to kind of rise above that very kind of threatened, victim-y feeling where they just don't even feel like they can stand up for themselves. And also they, they can't really have much compassion for the other person because they're too busy feeling threatened themselves. And so if we can help them just have a little space and light to breathe, they can have that conversation better themselves. And it's, again, it's right. It's not because we know what they should do. It's right. a close attention to what they are doing. And we say, okay, so you guys disagree very strongly about this. Joe, you're clear that you want to spend half of the kid's time with them. And Sue, you're saying that the kids really need to be at your place during the school week because you help them with the homework and all that. And so the half time thing doesn't really make sense to you. I see. Well, so what's next, you two? And, and they, can, they can hang in there and figure it out. I don't know what they should do. They understandably are, if they don't know what they should do, how would I know what they should do? You know? Right. And you know, yeah, Dan, this is so good because I do need to read your book, but it's kind of what I'm doing. I don't say it as eloquently as you do. <laughs> I say, <laughs> I listen, I sit and I listen and I watch and you can do it over Zoom just as well as in an office. Mm-hmm. And I pick up on, I want to pick up on what is the real issue because I think sometimes you find that people don't even really know, like they even, they haven't even given themselves the time. So I think that is shining the light on it. Yeah. And then one thing, I think I heard this from you or, or someone before that, or maybe it was in a course that I took, that it's actually the clients that are going to come up with the best agreements there and they're so unique and amazing and they want me to tell them what to do when we start out yeah but do you find i mean is that part of this transformative process too oh absolutely and i hear you they they sometimes they imagine for a minute that we know that we know what they should do i find that you know if they're asking us what they should do I interpret that as just, you know, they're feeling really overwhelmed and confused. And it's natural to, to kind of fantasize that somebody else can answer these difficult questions for you. And so that's what they're doing. They're, they're fantasizing. Of course, I don't know them or their ex or their kids as well as they do. And of course, I never know the whole story about anything. You know, their whole financial picture, the potential to get some help from their parents, the, the, need they have to continue to support their health club habit, you know, all, all the miscellaneous ways that people live their lives that they know more than I do. It's understandable that they're confused and overwhelmed when they're in conflict with somebody else about it. The path is not for me to indulge their fantasy that I know what they should do, but it's to be there with them as they're confused and, and to say, okay, I see why you're confused because on the one hand, you want this. On the other hand, you want that. And you can, you'd be great if you get both, but that's not possible. So you're trying to decide, you know, what to do about that. And then, boom, they've had a chance to think about it a little bit more and they have a little, just a little more clarity. And they say, okay, you know, what really matters is this. Mm-hmm. And they just get a little bit clearer. And then the other ex, you know, who's hearing them get clearer says, ah, okay, well, that's, I can understand you wanting that. Here's my problem with that. 
and the conversation continues and it takes, that's why it takes, you know, some time, but uh, mm-hmm. we get through it. Well, okay. Here's where I need a little teaching from you. And don't worry, I have thick skin, so you can tell me. So I am this person, like I'm a mama and I want to help them and I want to fix it. And yeah. they come to me and they say, well, what do other people do? Uh-huh. Like you must, you, I, this is all I do. So I start and I say, well, you know your situation best and yep. you can come up with your own creative plan. But I do like share what I've seen happen. I just throw out all kinds of ideas. Yeah. Should I not be doing that? Should I be letting them come up with their own ideas? I, I'm not totally against kind of gently sharing some of your experience. Like, you know, when I teach my courses, I kind of really try to be a purist and really kind of suggest that, you know, I take a pretty extreme position that no, all, all of the information and answers should come from the, the parties. But in real life, as long as your main intention when you're mediating is to support them in getting clearer from themselves, and as long as anything you suggest is done very gently and, and it's clear to them that you're not attached, that they should do one of these things you're suggesting. And as long as you suggest a list of things, because there are always a whole wide variety of different things people have done. You know, I'm not that far different from you. It sounds like my response is first, okay, so here's what you're wondering. You're wondering if I can tell you what to do when both parents, you know, want to have their weekends free from the kids and, and right. what people have done in that situation. And, and I can often say, well, I've never worked with, you know, exactly that situation before. Yes, I've done this for a long time, but I've never worked with you two human beings before at this moment in time. You know what I can to let them know that and to remind them and they usually realize pretty quickly, yeah, of course you don't know what we should do. And another thing is often when they ask that question, as you know, it's a rhetorical question because they're really saying, you know, Dan, aren't I right that we should do this thing? I mean, isn't that what other people do? And of course, we got to be impartial. And so we can't, uh, you know. Right. Or, yeah, you're right. That's what most people do. No, no, we aren't going to take that side with them. So, yeah, it's, it, is a, it is a nuanced process of keeping the decisions in their hands, yet empathizing with them right through their asking us the question and having the uncertainty and hanging in there with them. Right. And I think it's sometimes hard for my clients to understand my role too, because I they will sometimes get mad and say, well, this is what you do. You're the one who is supposed to help mm-hmm. us. You know what I mean? They don't understand. Yes, I'm facilitating them coming to an agreement. It has taken me, a, you know, years to have the confidence in that situation to, you know, answer with something like, you're right. I have done this for a long time. And that has taught me that I really have no idea what's going to work best for the people that, right. you know, that's, that's what I've learned that you're right. I do have a lot of experience, a lot of wisdom about this. And that leads me to the conclusion that this is your choice. You guys. Yep. That, that is extremely helpful. Let me ask when you have, and most of my clients are kind to each other, but when you have a fiery conflict mm-hmm. or disrespectful, how yeah. do you handle that? Well. It always depends on the specific context. So it's kind of, it is a little bit hard to answer in general, but I certainly don't assume that just because it's getting escalated, somebody is, is feeling victimized by that. I kind of assume that they're probably already on better behavior in front of me than they are privately. So I, 
but what I do try to do is stay attuned to each person. And if somebody's cringing and, and kind of cowering in response, mm-hmm. I'm right there paying attention to them saying, okay, so you don't like how this is going. You, you don't look comfortable and support him or her in, in deciding to take a break or end the mediation or assert to the other person, you aren't going to stand for that anymore. We, of course, naturally, you know, we don't want to see anybody get kind of victimized in front of us by some harsh language, but I think we may be exaggerate our ability to tell when that's happening. Kind of on the other side of the coin, I've had a situation explained to me how traumatic it was to have the guy look at her like that. And I didn't, you know, I, I was sitting right there. I didn't see how he was looking at her, but for her, given their history, this look from him was traumatic for her. It happened right in front of me. Right. So I can't pretend. I also don't promise anybody that this is a safe space. If that doesn't feel safe to you, then by all means, let's talk about your other options besides doing this. Right. There's a way to make it feel safe, but I don't know exactly what's going to feel triggering to you. I also don't want to assume that you can't have a heated conversation because that might be the most productive thing for you guys to do. I'm so thankful that you said that because that was a huge aha moment to me when I had a real fiery couple who cared about each other. And I thought that I was supposed to calm things down and I didn't. Yeah, And it was how they communicated. They were both fine with it. They were both, and they came to an agreement very quickly. But to look at the flip side too, I like that you brought that up. That may be something that I'm not catching to always be watching those clients to see if there's anything triggering them that maybe wouldn't trigger me because it is about them. And we still might miss it. And we are, I believe we have to at some level, trust that people can take care of themselves. And we have, you know, we, we can do our best to remind them that everything we do here is voluntary. Right. And if, if you don't want to do it, you get to end it. If you want to talk privately to me at any point, we can do it. No pressure for me to keep sitting here longer than you want to. I don't, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I don't want to be traumatizing anybody (laughs) or, or subjecting them to something that feels to them like abuse. Yeah. And yet I can't promise to protect them from that. So I'll do my best to pay attention, folks. That's what I'll do. Right. Right. Well, you've done this for so long and you're such an expert that you teach oh, a lot of people. You're saying me. something like things. I- no, but that is true. <laughs> you're a teacher. Yeah. Um, do you feel like you're maybe even teaching more than you're mediating now? Or are you kind of doing both? I would say that it's probably 60-40 mediating over teaching. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, I do, I do a 40-hour a family course every year and a 30-hour civil course every year and a 20-hour online course and then some other gigs that I get with other organizations. So it's not that much time spent teaching total, really. Yeah. Tell me more about your book and where that came from and what made you write it and who is it for? Mm -hmm. Thanks for asking. Well, it is primarily aimed at mediators and my friend Tara West, thank goodness for her. I could not have written this book without her. She's also a lawyer and PhD psychologist and mediator and great writer. (laughs) Um, I had more of the practical experience of doing this mediation for many, many years. She had a little more experience with doing research. So we've got a lot of kind of studies that support our perspective on what's most helpful for people in mediation. 
And it is essentially this idea that every part of the process can be determined by the parties. All I know is that if they want help having a conversation, I'd love to help. As for whether they have that conversation, when they have it, how they have it, whether they talk to me or whether they talk to the other person, whether they bring their lawyer, whether they don't, whether they bring their new uh, boyfriend or girlfriend or not, what they say to each other, how they say it, whether they yell it or whisper it or write it down, every choice that they can make is essential, is helpful to their process of getting to a better place with their conflict because of the basic idea that conflict, when people are, you know, fighting with each other or, or just afraid to talk to each other, whatever it is, the, the experience they have is of disempowerment, weakness, inability to take care of themselves in this situation. One response would be to go in there and take care of them or, or just Seek the help of a lawyer who will protect them and advise them and, and get them through it. In general, I don't believe that addresses the core of their problem so much. The core of their problem is that feeling of not being able to handle it. What mediation can provide them is the experience of being able to handle it and being able to make all of these choices themselves. The simplest thing when I start a mediation and say, so where would you all like to start? And one of them says, well, this is your idea for us to get divorced, Jane. Why don't you go ahead? Great. He got to express that resentment that he has, that she's, that she's insisting on a divorce. And yet he also offered her the chance to speak. And so they're already collaborating just right then on the process. Well, already- don't you think that they're learning how to better themselves for their next relationship? Like that person who didn't have a voice is learning how to have one while you're sitting there with them. I just, I want all my clients to just be better after we work through. Yeah, I think, yeah, handling a conflict constructively can be a huge learning experience for all of us. Kind of, again, learning that we have what it takes to take care of ourselves, learning that even in that situation, we still have compassion for the other person, actually. And we actually don't, we're happier when we take good care of them too. And we all can use as much of that experience as we can get. It's, it's just part of the human condition that there are times when we don't feel like we can do that. The other person is just too evil or, right. uh, or, or too scary to us. But we do have to deal with other humans all the time. And so just kind of increasing our sense that we can take care of ourselves in relating to other people and then also get in touch with that compassion. Yeah, it's a great, it's great practice, but it's, it goes for all of us. Like I, you know, I'm, I behave like a person in conflict myself at times and it's just human to get defensive and frightened and not be able to have compassion. It's just, so I don't see it. Sometimes people talk about, you know, these people must have bad communication skills and, and I wouldn't assume that about anybody I'm working with. I would assume there are people in conflict. I've been there myself. I've had people I, you know, was just thinking very negatively about. And if I talked to them, it was going to be ugly. And, you know, then I've gotten through that with people where I've, where, you know, I, I kind of decided I had some room to accept them as they were and also could take care of myself. So. And that like kind of leads me to believe that this book could be good for anyone, whether you're a media, just anyone who wants to grow and learn how to kind of communicate a little bit better. I think, you know, this big picture in the world now with the obvious intensity of the conflict that there's happening politically and about so many things, 
And therefore, the tendency for all of us to kind of buy into simple stories and or follow a simple narrative about how we're good and the other guys are bad. It's really important for us to get in touch with our, whatever you want to call it, self-determination, agency, autonomy, the fact that we do have power and we aren't victims of each other and we don't have to victimize each other either. Right. So I, yeah, I hope it helps people on that level. Totally. Yeah. I think the world needs more of that and learning how to listen to other people's points of view. And sure. so I love it. So I love that you've put that book up. When can I get that book? It is now available. It was, it, Amazon has it. The publisher, Roman and Littlefield, have, has it. All the, any place you buy books online, it's available. Okay. I looked not that long ago. When did it, when was, did it become available? At least for the last week, they've been shipping them. Like I got the news over a week ago that my first friend who ordered one got one. So. Okay. All right. I'm going to get it. <laughs> Thank and, you. Self-determination in mediation by Simon and we'll, we will have a link in the show notes to that. Hey, I just wanted to pop in here quick before the saddle up segment and this whole thing winds down. And I want to tell you about my parenting plan online course. It is for you if you are terrified that divorce is going to ruin your children. I'm here to assure you that you can co-parent really well together. And I have an online course that is going to walk you through a parenting plan. You will have a piece of your divorce done. If you want to work with a mediator, you can bring the paperwork in and that portion is complete. It's easy, affordable, quick, and effective. And it will be part of your divorce paperwork if you'd like it to. Um, or you can just use it to co-parent well with another parent. It goes over all the things that you may not be thinking of when you're in the midst of an emotional time like divorce. So please go to lisakoski.com, check on my online courses, and sign up for the Parenting Plan course now because when parents work together, they can mitigate the damages caused by divorce to their children. Listeners, my takeaway as something truly amazing and important about this week's episode on doing divorce different with Dan Simon is that in this day and age where there's so much conflict and there is so much belief in the fact that you are right and another person's wrong, I think we can all learn how to be mediators. And Dan just has some great information about transformative information and his new book is amazing. So now I can't believe how fast this has gone, but as we get towards the end of my podcast, I always ask my guests, it's like the saddle up segment yeah. because so, I'm doing this in my barn with my horses over there. So that's what we're calling it. But yeah. do you have like one little tidbit or tool or something that people can do right now moving forward just to kind of better their life? Yeah. Whenever you feel like somebody is a jerk, they may be a jerk. You might be right. But it also means that you are a person in conflict at that moment because you are judging them in that way. So whenever that moment happens, 
do whatever it is. I can't, I can't prescribe a specific thing because it's different for everybody, but do whatever it is that helps you get to a better place. And so it might be deep breaths, could be yoga, could be meditation, could be talking to a good friend, could be a walk in the woods. Give yourself whatever it is that helps you feel good. And then reconsider, you know, how you feel toward that person and you'll be in a slightly different place and they won't be quite as much of a jerk. Right. If they're still kind of a jerk, which they might be, you'll at least feel better able to handle it. Whatever it is, you'll, you'll, you'll handle it better. Yep. And I love this because it's helpful if you're going through a divorce or if you've been married a long time and are working through, you know, it's just great, great advice. So I appreciate that. Well, Dan, if people want to become a mediator and take your courses or contact you for mediation, what's a great way to get a hold of you? Transformativemediation.com. All right. And like I said, we'll have that in the show notes. Dan, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being here. You're making me a better mediator, truly. So I appreciate you. So kind. Thank you. Before I go, I just want to let you know some exciting nudes. In addition to my online parenting plan course, I now have the Minnesota Divorce Paperwork course. This course is going to hold your hand through the mediation process, and the Minnesota divorce paperwork. It's easy, effective, comprehensive. You will have what you need to file for divorce with this course. Check it out at lisakoski.com. Thank you for listening to the Doing Divorce Different podcast. Connect with us at lisakoski.com and sign up for our newsletter.